welcome to episode 37 of the Radio Omnigot podcast. My name is Simon Eger, and in this episode I will be talking about the hardest languages. Which are the hardest languages to learn? Now in the previous episode I talked about which are the easiest languages to learn, and what makes languages easy to learn as well, particularly focusing on which languages were easiest for native speakers of English to learn. Now in this episode, I'm looking at which are the hardest languages and what makes a language difficult to learn. There are various factors which make a language difficult to learn, including linguistic factors such as grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation, the writing system and such like, then things like resources for learning it, courses and teachers and such like, the availability or lack of them, and then also the size of the speaker community. If a language is only spoken by a handful of people in a remote place, then it's unlikely to be very well documented. There may be very few resources to learn it, and that makes it much more difficult to learn. Whereas big international languages like English and French and Spanish and so on have huge numbers of courses and classes and teachers and tutors and such like, and and also, of course, literature and films and TV shows and other material you can enjoy once you've learnt the language. Whereas small languages, endangered languages, don't have all those resources. So that's one factor. Another factor is the size of the speaker community. Now, big languages have huge speaker communities. The language of the most native speakers is uh, Mandarin Chinese, with over a billion. But the language with the most speakers is currently English. And the majority of people who speak English speak it as a second or foreign language. Other languages with huge numbers of speakers include Spanish and Portuguese and Bengali, Hindi, Indonesian, Malay, Arabic, and so on. Now, if a language is widely spoken in many different countries and used widely as a, a lingua franca, as a second language, often learned by adults, then it tends to be, in some ways, dramatically simpler than a language that's spoken by one small group of people in a relatively isolated community. It's not always the case, but in in some large languages like Mandarin Chinese and English, the um, complex aspects of the grammar have been simplified in some ways. Other varieties of Chinese have more complex grammar and pronunciation, and therefore more difficult to learn. So if you look at a list of the most difficult languages, there are quite a few online you can find. They often include languages like Chinese and Japanese and Korean and maybe Arabic, possibly Russian and various other languages. And are these languages inherently difficult to learn? Well, some aspects may be. Chinese and Japanese are certainly the most difficult languages to learn to read and write because of their extremely complex scripts. Well, Chinese uses characters, and in order to read and write it, you have to learn to recognize and write and or type um, thousands of different characters. And uh, Japanese uses Chinese characters, and they call them kanji, and also two native scripts that are kind of simplified versions of, of uh, characters, called hiragana and katagana, and they represent sounds. So Chinese characters and kanji and the hanja used in Korean uh, they represent both sound and meaning, but the um, syllabic scripts used in Japanese only represent sound, and that's the same for every other writing system. The Chinese script is unique in that regard, in terms of um, representing both sound and meaning. 
Or to be a bit more precise, the Chinese script is the only one currently in use that has both sound and meaning represented in its characters. A number of ancient scripts, such as the Egyptian hieroglyphic script and the Mayan script, worked in a similar way, but they are no longer used. So, Chinese and Japanese are probably the most difficult languages to learn in terms of reading and writing, but grammatically they're not so difficult in many ways, especially not Mandarin, because in Mandarin words do not change, verbs do not conjugate, nouns do not decline, words do not take endings or change in any way. So once you've learned a word, you don't need to worry about all the different forms it might take, as you do in many other languages, such as Spanish or Finnish or Turkish or Hungarian or Russian even, where nouns have many different declensions and verbs have different forms and all that sort of grammatical baggage. You don't have any of that in in Chinese and in related languages like um, Vietnamese, I think, and Thai and so on. These are isolating languages where you just got to put the words in the right order. So that aspect of Chinese and related languages is relatively straightforward. But other aspects um, are also uh, difficult. Chinese is a completely different language to European languages, different language family. So if you speak a related language, such as Cantonese or Taiwanese or Shanghainese, it's not so difficult to learn Mandarin. But if you don't, then it's it's a challenge, um, because the vocabulary is completely different to anything you will be familiar with. There are odd loan words borrowed from English and a few other languages, but um, it's often difficult to um, recognize them because they're so changed to fit to the Chinese pronunciation. And um, in some ways, actually, that's an advantage because Chinese words are all almost all derived from Chinese roots. So to make a new word, you take existing words and put them together in different combinations. And if you know the um, meaning of the existing words, then you can have a good guess at the meaning of the new words. Whereas in, in a language like English, that has borrowed words from many different sources, you've got the native Anglo-Saxon roots, you've got words borrowed from Norman French, and from Old Norse, and from Latin and Greek, and from many other languages. For example, a king is a monarch who rules regally over a realm or kingdom and is part of a royal family. Now, the words king and kingdom come from Old English, Monarch comes from ancient Greek via Middle French and Late Latin. Rule, regal and realm come from Latin via Old French. So, yeah, you've got quite a few different roots for these related words. And Japanese has a similar kind of thing. There's the native Japanese words, there's words borrowed from Chinese, and there's words borrowed from English and sometimes from other languages. In the case of water, for example, in, in the native Japanese word is miso. The word borrowed from Chinese is sui, and they are written with the same character, which is generally pronounced mizu when it's on its own, and sui in compounds. So in order to fit borrowed words into Japanese phonology, often they're they're changed quite significantly. And another thing Japanese does is um, combine words borrowed from different sources into new compound words. For example, karaoke is a Japanese word that's been borrowed into many other languages and it comes from kara which is um, means empty and orchestra orchestra and orchestra is a bit of a mouthful so it got changed got uh, shortened to oke and so kara oke is an empty orchestra 
and Japanese does that a lot, calling new words, um, combining various roots, so it can be difficult to um, recognize them. And um, Korean is another supposedly very difficult language. Structurally, it's very similar to Japanese. So Japanese and Korean, they both have verbs that go to the end of the sentence, and the word order is quite similar in both languages. Apparently, it's very similar to Mongolian and Manchu and Turkic languages as well. So if you speak any of those languages, it gives you a bit of an advantage when learning Korean or Japanese. But if you don't, then you've got to learn to think in a very different way, to order your, your thoughts in a different way in order to speak them. And Korean is written with an alphabet consisting of 24 letters called Hangul. Um, Chinese characters known as Hanja are sometimes used as well, but only in South Korea in very formal texts. Like in North Korea, they only use the Hangul. So with, there's only 24 letters, so it's relatively easy to learn to at least um, recognize the letters and to write them. But actually learning to read fluently in Korean or any other new alphabet takes time and practice. In Korean particularly, the uh, letters are laid out in a different way to how you might expect. They are grouped into syllable blocks and you have to learn uh, which letters go into which syllables and which ones can be combined together. And Sometimes the, cha- the shapes change slightly depending on where they are in the syllable and the pronunciation can change as well. So that's another extra challenge with Korean. But it's a lot easier to learn to read and write Korean than it is to read and write Japanese or Chinese. And pronunciation is another thing. Um, Chinese has tones, as do quite a few other languages in China and Southeast Asia and other places. Every syllable has its own tone. In Mandarin, there are five. And um, in other varieties of Chinese, there are more. There are six or more in Cantonese, depending on how you count them. Seven or eight in Taiwanese. And in some languages, like the Hmong languages, spoken in southern China, Vietnam, Laos, and that kind of area, they have ten or more tones. So every syllable has its own fixed intonation. But in some of these languages, when you have a combination of two particular tones, one of them or both of them might change. So on its own, the syllable will have one tone, but when you put it together with another syllable, it might change. In Mandarin, for example, the third tone, which falls and rises, ma, in most cases, when it's not at the end of a word or on its own, it becomes a rising tone, the second tone, ma. But in other um, varieties of Chinese and other languages, they have many more ways the tones can change. In Taiwanese, for example, there is a very complex system of tone sandy, as it's called. So that takes quite a bit of getting used to. Another challenging aspect of learning Chinese, particularly Mandarin Chinese, is the huge number of homophones or words or syllables that sound the same but have different meanings. In writing, it's easy to distinguish them because they're written with different characters. But in speech, you have to rely on context and your knowledge of the language to try and work out which is being used. And there are only 400 or so basic syllables in Mandarin Chinese, uh, 1,700 if you count the tones as well. And compare that to English, which has over 8,000. So although there are some pronunciations that might be difficult to get your tongue round, once you've mastered those, you can say anything you like. You can pronounce any word in Chinese fairly easily. But recognising them, having enough vocabulary to have a meaningful conversation is quite a challenge. In other varieties of Chinese, there are more syllables, the more distinct words, so there are not quite so many homophones. But it's more difficult in some ways to learn other varieties of Chinese. 
for Mandarin, you have a huge amount of uh, courses available and resources and media and literature and all sorts of things to, to help you learn and to enjoy once you've learned it. But for other varieties of Chinese, which are rarely li- written or don't have standard ways to write them, um, it may be more difficult. There are fewer courses available, um, fewer teachers, um, less material like um, films and books and so on. And if you ask Chinese people which is the most difficult version of Chinese to learn, they will probably tell you Wenzhonese, which is a dialect or form variety, if you prefer, of Wu Chinese. Now, Wu, the Wu dialects come from Zhejiang province, and the most famous is Shanghainese, but there are quite a few others. And Wenzhonese, from the city of Wenzhou, that is considered a particularly divergent dialect of Wu. Speakers of other dialects of Wu find very difficult to understand, and people who speak other varieties of Chinese haven't got a clue what it's on about. Um, other languages that are considered difficult include Arabic. Now, Arabic, there's one kind of standard written way form of Arabic, modern standard Arabic, that's used throughout the Arabic-speaking world in literature and formal writing, and that's based on the classical Arabic of the Quran. But there are many, many different spoken forms of Arabic. Each Arabic-speaking country and region has its own forms of Arabic, and they can differ significantly from each other. Those spoken in neighbouring countries are pretty similar, but if you go a bit further away, then they can be very different. So the Maghreb um, forms of Arabic spoken in Tunisia, Morocco and uh, Algeria differ significantly from those spoken, say, in in the Gulf or in, in Lebanon and Jordan and Syria and those places. And then Egyptian Arabic differs again. So when you're learning Arabic, you know, you've got the, the written form and many different spoken forms. So that's a challenge. And also pronunciation can be difficult. There are some sounds in Arabic which don't exist in other languages you might be familiar with. They can be a challenge. And also the written form of Arabic. Um, Arabic is written with an alphabet. It has about 28 or so letters. And it's always written in a cursive style. And the letters are joined together and they change their shape depending on where they are in a word. And grammatically, um, modern standard Arabic is much more complex than the spoken dialects, I understand. So, yeah, if you're learning to read and write Arabic, it's like learning one language, and then if you learn one of the um, spoken varieties, or one of, more than one of them, you're learning different kinds of grammar. It's all related, but um, there are many different variations. Um, other languages that are considered difficult might include Russian. Now, Russian has its own alphabet, Cyrillic alphabet, which is also used for Ukrainian, Belarusian, Bulgarian, and various other languages. Um, it's not that different from the Latin alphabet. Some of the letters are the same, although they're pronounced slightly differently. Russian also has irregular stress, so you have to learn where the stress goes in a word in order to pronounce it correctly. English has something similar, and the variations in different varieties of English as well. Another um, challenge of Russian, of course, is the grammar. Now, I've been learning Russian on and off for quite a few years, and still struggle to put together a um, grammatical sentence. I can understand a fair bit, and uh, string together um, something that could be understood, perhaps, but I wouldn't necessarily get all the grammar right. 
you've got six noun cases, you've got uh, three genders, you've got quite a few different verb forms, and all sorts of ways words can change. Other factors that might make a language difficult to learn. The um, community of speakers. So as I said, you know, if, if a language has a huge community of speakers, there'll be more resources to learn it. But for many endangered languages, there's only a very small community of speakers. Some Native American languages, for example, there may be only a handful of elderly people who still speak it. And there may not be much in terms of um, books and other resources to help you learn it. The community might not be open to outsiders learning their language. And in some cases, even finding the people to speak to can be a challenge if it's spoken in remote areas. And uh, in Papua New Guinea, for example, there are over 800 different languages spoken. Most are spoken by very small groups of people, and some live in very remote areas, which are very difficult to get to. And they may be hostile to outsiders, so trying to learn their language is going to be a real challenge. And then, grammatically, as I said, some languages are more complex than others in in various ways. Languages spoken by relatively small numbers of people in isolated communities are often grammatically far more complex than others spoken by large numbers of people. And then there are some languages that are very difficult to pronounce. For example, the the languages spoken in the Caucasus Mountains, in Georgia and uh, parts of Russia, Azerbaijan and places like that, they have huge numbers of consonants and very few vowels. So you get great strings of consonants in words, which can be very challenging to pronounce. We also get that in some of the native languages spoken in North America. For example, the Cilician languages spoken in, I think, the northwest of the USA and in neighboring parts of Canada. They have extremely complex um, phonology and, I, I expect, very difficult grammar as well. And then in South Africa and neighboring countries, there are a number of languages which have clicks. The most famous of these include Zulu and Xhosa. And they have borrowed their clicks from other languages spoken in this region, the uh, Khoikhoi languages particularly. Now in Zulu, for example, you have um, three basic clicks, I think. The dental click, the alveolar click, and the um, lateral click. And each one has five variations. But in the Khoikhoi languages, you have um, five basic clicks. As well as those ones I mentioned, you have the um, bilabial click. I think that's how you do it. And um, another one, I can't remember which one. And then you have up to 10 variations on each click. So you may have 50 or more different click sounds. And it's hard enough to recognize them, let alone produce these clicks. And in addition to these, they have many other sounds as well. So they have a huge inventory of different um, sounds in these languages, complex grammar, lack of resources, small speaker populations. So these are very challenging languages to learn. Um, some lists I saw of hard languages include Navajo, which is a member of the Athabascan branch of the Nadene language family. It's spoken in, mainly in the Navajo Nation, which um, takes up part of northeastern Arizona, southeastern Utah, and northwestern New Mexico in the USA. And there are about 170,000 people who speak it. So it's one of the Native American languages with the most speakers. And it's grammatically very complex because it has completely irregular verbs. There are no regular patterns in the verb structure. And I think other aspects of the grammar are pretty complex as well. 
and the pronunciation is pretty difficult. It has tones and various sounds and combinations of sounds that will probably be unfamiliar, and the vocabulary will probably be very unfamiliar to you as well, unless you speak a related language, of course. There are probably more resources to learn Navajo than other Native American languages, and it's even non-Duolingo, although the Navajo course in Duolingo is apparently not particularly good. There are lots of mistakes there. So, yes, that's a very challenging one to learn, but maybe easier than some of the other Native American languages that don't have so many resources. So, yeah, now you have an idea of what makes a language difficult to learn and which languages are particularly challenging. I think, yeah, for anybody, whatever language background you have, there is no one language that is, you know, number one in terms of difficulty. Certainly in terms of reading and writing, Chinese and Japanese are definitely the most difficult languages to learn. In terms of grammar, all these small languages, these minority languages, indigenous languages that I mentioned, are pretty complex. And some of the major languages, like Hungarian, Finnish, Estonian, and um, languages like uh, Georgian have very complex grammar as well. And Georgian also has its own alphabet, um, difficult pronunciation, and very different vocabulary. So Georgian is a pretty difficult language to learn in many ways. But, you know, it depends. Another factor to consider is your motivation and how much time you can devote to your language studies. So even if it's um, a very difficult language, if you're prepared to put in the time and effort to learn it, to seek out people who speak it, to help you um, practice it and teach you it, then you're going to you're going to manage to learn it eventually, even if it's a very small language with very few resources. Have you found any languages particularly difficult or challenging, or are you struggling with any languages at the moment? You can leave any comments on this or any other episode of the Radio Omnigot podcast, and also find notes on this and other episodes at radio.omnigot.com. Or you can contact me via email. I am Simon Ager. My email is feedback at omnigot.com. If you're feeling very generous, you can make a donation, either a one-off donation or a regular donation via PayPal or Patreon. You can find links on omnigot.com and on the Radio Omnigot website as well. So, you know, share this podcast with your friends, rate it, review it, all that stuff, and, well, share it with your enemies as well if you have any, and anybody else you can think of. So, that's all I have to say for now. Um, Thank you for listening, and goodbye.